comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No internet, no GPS, no text messages, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. everybody and welcome back to the Walking Dead TV podcast. I'm Jordan from Jersey. Joined this week by Aaron Newworth, Craig DeManda, and Russell Latham. How you guys doing? Hey. 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 Uh, Jim has a stomach flu this week, so he will not be making it. Sorry to hear that, Jim, and get well soon. Uh, don't become a walker, please. Uh, this week, we are here to talk uh, the newest episode of The Walking Dead, Always Accountable, Season 6, Episode 6, which was a mostly Daryl-centric, with a little bit of Abraham and Sasha in there as well. Episode, gentlemen, what did you think of Always Accountable, just generally speaking? Well, last week I wasn't on to tell you, I think you guys read my response, but yes. I mean, last week I felt it was a a, a little... Little under average, given the season we've been having so far, which I obviously blame Jordan for for chinxing it. Um, but this week, it usually is my fault. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Generally, uh, you're completely responsible. Um, this week, I would say it's still kind of middling for an episode of The Walking Dead, but at least I got to see some of my, you know, the characters I enjoy more, and Sasha. So I mean, it, it, uh, it it's got its problems, which we'll get into. But I I was fairly satisfied with it. Yeah. I mean, overall, it was. You know, along the same line of last week, I, I wouldn't say it's that much better or that much worse as far as um, the story pacing. It kind of brought the whole season back a little bit. These last three episodes have been slowing things down. I didn't have any major problems with this week's episode. It had some sticky spots, which I'll get to when we get to them. But uh, overall, I wouldn't say it's that much that light years different than last week's episode. Yeah, I'm kind of on the same page as you guys. I I thought there was a little more unevenness in this one. And more so, I think, with, like, character motivations, like, there are things that happen that I just didn't quite understand, and it just seemed very back-and-forth-ish, and, uh, you know, and it, and it could be that it's all, you know, down the road we'll find out that it was done on purpose, and it was kind of a genius stroke, but um, but even there's some stuff with Abraham that I kind of was, like, a little bit of a head-scratcher for, so, uh, so yeah. I mean, overall, like I said, I think I think good. I think this... The season is on a good a good path, uh, but but I think there were just some things, and it, and I don't think it had to do so much with the story they were trying to tell. It's just the way they told it, if if that makes sense. That makes sense to me. So you guys remember how I was sick last week? Yes. Yeah. Like you're still sick this week. Yeah, I'm a little bit. Uh, so two days after that, and this is me taking the long route around to tell you what I thought of this episode. Two days after that. Uh, Right before I went into work, I was like, oh, you know what? I should take some DayQuil, you know, just to help myself get through it. And you know how NyQuil is, like, dark green and DayQuil is bright orange? 
Yes. Yep. Sure. Yeah, well, so do I, which is why it's really hard for me to understand how I accidentally took NyQuil right before I left for work. Awesome. But I did. And yet, somehow, working through the day under the influence of NyQuil was less perplexing to me than watching this episode. <laughs> so, yeah, I had a lot of issues with this particular episode, and I kind of agree with, I think, I think you said this, Russ. I didn't have a problem with the story they were telling, but the way they tried to tell it, and particularly a lot of the dialogue was just mind-boggling to me. But we will get into that as we go through the episode. So shall we get down to it, gentlemen? Sure. Let's do Let's it. Let's do it. Alrighty. Uh, so this week's episode, like we said, uh, Always Accountable, Season 6, Episode 6 of The Walking Dead. It was directed by Jeffrey F. January, which is a fun name, and uh, quote-unquote written by Heather Belson, who has written a couple episodes before that I went back and looked up, and I think it was them. She's, most, and... she's written a lot of... like. Like one through, oh wait, producer. Never mind. Yeah, that's a lot of. Yeah, she wrote one that I think was them, and before that she had co-written one. And both of those episodes, I look back and I don't remember having any specific problem with the dialogue, but that was not the case here. In addition to Abraham and Daryl and Sasha, we had a few guest actors this week as well. We had Austin Emilio as Dwight. Christine Evangelista as Sherry, and you might notice that they weren't named in the episode quite conspicuously. Um, then we had Darren Cooper, apparently, as Wade, or at least Wade's torso, Matt Lowe as Cam, and Liz E. Morgan as Tina. So we've, we start the episode with Daryl, Sasha, and Abraham arriving at the 20-mile marker set for leading the herd away from Alexandria when they are ambushed by a group of gun-wielding assailants for apparently no reason, at least that we can see at the time. And as they flee, Daryl crashes his bike and is separated from Sasha and Abraham. And is is he grazed by a bullet, or did he... Yeah, road rash. Yeah. It was just road rash. Yeah. Okay, because he's bleeding later, but you can't even see a wound. He even looks closely at his did, arm, and the camera does too, and there's there's no cut there. I anything. did, yeah, when they when they initially show it, when he, like, takes off his jacket, you're like, I, I kind of looked at it, I was like, that's, what, what, I, I was thinking Monty Python, like, that's just a flesh wound. Like, there's nothing there. Late, later on. It's literally not a wound. Late, later on, you kind of see more of it. You kind of see it's kind of, he's cleaned it, you've, he's cleaned it up, essentially, so you can kind of see where the, the big gash is or whatnot. There's, there's there's reason for him to be, you know, upset by the injury he sustained. But yes, initially didn't really look like much. Yeah, I missed it too on the first watch. Uh, I didn't catch how the injury occurred. I thought maybe he was grazed by a bullet or something. But he fell on his right side. The bike kind of wiped out uh, when he slid. was attacked by the the wild Hondas and the and the and the lone jeep. But he also he wiped out there, and it looked like before he wiped out, he was already injured or something. Like, it was, like, the most exhausted I've ever seen another human being when he fell off that bike in the first place. I think well, no, he just... fell off in the town when he was being shot at, when the, when the bullets oh, first started flying. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. He yeah, wiped out. Right. He slid, and then he picked it up and got back up and drove off again. Yeah, right. That's, that's where he got the injury. Then he collapsed at that point from, yeah. I guess, the injury just being yeah. dazed or something. The forest, yeah. He was just like, okay, finally, I'm out of this. I can, like, walk. I can I can fall down for a second and catch my breath. That's, that's what that second right, one right. was, yeah. That's what I thought was kind of weird, because when he passed out, I, I thought the same thing. I thought he got grazed by a bullet because of the way he was bleeding and, and then just the whole passing out bit. I mean, it, it didn't seem like he took a big enough tumble and went through enough that it would cause him to pass out. And it didn't look like it was he was just laying down like, oh, God, I can't believe, you know, all this just happened and I'm, I need to catch my breath. It seemed like he actually passed out. 
So it was it it wasn't clear, and I and I think maybe if there's a theme for this episode, it's just things happening that aren't very clear as to what's really. I don't know on. if that's a theme so much. Well, as I mean, the, really the, sloppy I think the, a deficiency. But. I think the I think the novelty of this episode is that like Daryl, Sasha, and, and uh, Abraham just kind of stumble into like a different show. Or <laughs> suddenly it's this other <laughs> like that's really what it seems to be like, and obviously these two shows will collide. But it's like as if like the story involving the three people running away from the other group, it's like that's its own like spinoff series right there. And and Daryl just literally like drove his motorcycle right through it, and now we're in that show all of a sudden. Which, you know, for a way to introduce characters, that's that's something different. At least I understand there's problems with it, but that's see you say another show. I thought it was more like stumbling into a high school production of a really bad play. Okay, that I've never <laughs> seen before, but. That, wow. I, it sounds like you're talking about last week's episode, Alexander. I know, right? <laughs> you gave it a three and a half. Come on. I'm now. taking the food. You can't stop me. <laughs> I do want to say, though, on the cold open, I love how Sasha and Abraham just came out shooting. They drove into the wall or the fake wall, whatever that was over there, and then they, they both came out shooting really. That was just a cool little scene right there. I mean, it was a nice little action that sequence awesome. in the beginning. And the, the shot that ends the cold open with um, Daryl falling off the bike and looking over at the mostly burnt, I guess, motorcycle driver? It looked like a motorcycle helmet mm. on, yeah, on the was, zombie. that was another odd thing. But it was yeah. a great shot, though. The overhead shot that was kind of the symmetry of them facing each other. That was awesome looking. All yeah. of the shots of that charred on? forest and the, the, the charred skeletons. Yeah. You're right. The overhead shot from the, the cold open, very well done. The visuals were great. I, I Did you agree. guys think for a minute that when you saw that burnt, that burnt area that that was where... Um, that was where Morgan was. What? Where? Oh, where he had been like burning the bodies in the yeah, pile. Yeah. Uh, it, there's been so many different fires in the last couple seasons that I nothing stuck out to me as oh, it was probably this. I have a, you know what I mean? I've essentially Wasn't that Georgia though. Yeah, that's I mean, the thing. I've I've wrapped my head around the fact that they're in D.C. now, so it's they're like, in Virginia now, right? Yeah. yeah so. so I didn't realize. I guess I didn't realize it was. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I, I guess I didn't realize it was. He was that far. Away, yeah, that that makes much more sense now. But they're still shooting in Georgia, so it looks the same. I mean, <laughs> they're filming it in the same forest, the same area, but it's technically Virginia now. If you a, be- the a, a better question might be, what did Morgan really do besides walking to get to where he needed to be? Because it's a long way he had to travel <laughs> to get to where he is. Yeah, and it's not like well, that's, I suppose that's why it took him a long time. It was it wasn't easy for Rick and the gang to just you know get get there. Well, he definitely didn't ride Tabitha, right? I mean, she was gone at that point, so. Mm-hmm. Also, she was like a 25-pound goat, but sure. <laughs> um, so, like like we said, uh, Sasha and Abraham, they also crashed their car. It's a very uh, almost uh, Dukes of Hazard, I thought, crash in terms of they yes. like, go through that wall and just have the big chunks yeah. falling down. Yeah, when they jumped over the creek, that really put it over the top for me. <laughs> <laughs> they played Dixie. <laughs> when they paused it midair and Waylon Jennings started to tear <laughs> that Abraham and like, Wait a <laughs> that Abraham and Sasha really at it again this time. Wonder if they get out of this sticky widget. <laughs> so they they defeat the people who are who are attacking them, but then they flee when they hear reinforcements arriving. But that was an awesome. I mean, we talked about it, but that was just an awesome shot. Like when the two of them come busting out yeah, yeah. and just unload. I just I was like, that is well done. Yeah. Like. They are not effing around. It, those two. It's like they knew Civic. Into the Badlands was premiering. They knew Into the Badlands was premiering next, so they're like, we need to up the action quotient to the beginning <laughs> yeah, of the up our game. By the way, so they can take, they can like shoot out the like the back windshield of a car, but they can't hit like one motorcycle traveling directly in front of them. That's it's very. 
Well, there was a number of times, particularly in this opening sequence, where it was like, okay, he's being, he or they, depending on which group we were following at the time, is being followed by one car. No, I guess two cars. No, I guess just one car now. Now, okay, that one's been blown up. Where did the other people go? Like, there was a lot of people chasing people and then disappearing. Like, not even, they eluded them. It's just the the chasers disappeared. There was two cars in a Jeep. Yeah. There was a blue Civic, a, a red something or other, and then a Jeep, and then... Obviously, the blue one got blown up by Sasha and Abraham coming out, uh, you know, Swing Rambo it. style. But the other one, you're right. I think he crashed. If you if you, if you watch it, the the red one just wiped out against something. Yeah, the red so one I guess wiped then he's out, dead. and then I guess the jeep just kind of went away. Like that's... the jeep went away because if you remember, Daryl was hiding in the woods. The jeep yeah. drove by, then Daryl came out of the woods again. So, oh, was that the same jeep? That was the same jeep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. He crossed like he he waited. It's almost like he was waiting for them to come by right. and then crossed. Across the road. So Daryl eludes his attackers, and he quietly walks his motorcycle through a burnt-out forest littered with charred walker bodies. And he tries to radio Sasha and Abraham, but gets no response. And as he inspects a wound on his arm, he hears a noise nearby, and he hides his bike under a conspicuously placed pile of branches and finds two sisters, Tina and Sherry, with their hands up. And just then, a man knocks him out from behind. Now again, if Daryl was at full Daryl strength... If his power meter was all the way to the end, I'm sure he wouldn't have got cold clocked or ambushed by the guy. I mean, he was still kind of dazed from from the the bike wipeout because even this is interesting. They used a couple of POV shots, which again they don't usually do in The Walking Dead, and they used it a couple of times in this episode. And you see he's a little fuzzy. He's a little bit his vision's a little bit blurred or whatever it may be, and uh, and then he gets cold clocked. So I don't think he's at full strength, full Daryl strength. That's the best way I can argue it. Uh... For this, for this one at least, there's some other moves that Daryl makes that aren't the even for Daryl standards, or even for a day's Daryl standards, seem a little over the top. But we'll get there. There's a lot of plot <laughs> stupidity. Yeah. Uh, so as Daryl drifts in and out of consciousness, he sees his captors or his captors rummaging through his supplies, and uh, the man pegs Daryl as a soldier from an outpost, one of the men who originally attacked Daryl, Sasha, and Abraham. So these people were not waiting, lying in wait for our heroes. They were lying in wait for these other three uh, hillbillies, and uh, they, they attacked our guys instead. And he faded in and out, and I, I captured some of the quotes, because I didn't catch it the first time around, but uh, he said, as you said, Jordan, probably just another soldier from one of the outposts, Probably hates him too. I guess referring to him, we don't know who him is yet, but I'm sure we'll get to that soon enough. And then the last quote is, "We'll pick up Patty, then we're gone. This is the last day we got to live like this." That's the uh, person. What was his name, Jordan? Again, because they didn't name it in the episode. What was the person's name? Dwight. You said Dwight. Dwight. Yes. That was Dwight talking around the campfire to the other two ladies. Well, and then the one, the one lady said something interesting, and she said it several times. It was the whole. When she, she, I forget the exact terminology, but it was like, we, we took this, it was ours, or we, or we, we earned what we took or something like yeah, that. Yeah, we earned what we take. Right. So, yeah, it was. Uh, that was before he got hit, though. It, that was like the first shot of her, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. Right. I think she it says very, it sometime later on, though, as well. Yeah, it, it was very deliberate. And again, again, and I think we'll get to this when we get to the end, but in the back of my mind, I kept thinking, and, and it kind of goes with what with what Aaron was saying that there's this is a lot of setup that some of this ambiguousness I think was meant to be done on purpose because there there's something coming down the line that they're going to use these characters for and this is going to make a lot more sense. But I, I I got the impression even then that 
these disparate groups are somehow connected to one another, whether directly or indirectly, you know, that, that they're not, all this isn't coincidence and accident. Um, so that part of it didn't really frustrate me that much. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at with a lot of this. It's more of just the, it's one thing to be ambiguous, but there is, you know, there is a performance aspect involved and, I can I can see where Jordan is where he I, I can tell you you know you're not you're not enjoying how these people are you know acting essentially um, <laughs> I wouldn't say it's the worst um, I point you again to last week in Alexandria but I I can see where it feels somewhat lacking given all that's required to kind of keep you intrigued I can't say that I was I I wasn't as dramatically excited by these people. Um, as I was with, I guess, other things going on in this episode. I can forgive a certain amount of ambiguity when it comes to dialogue. I understand you want to hide things for later, but there gets to a point occasionally in in fiction, and I think this episode crossed that line, where there's no way those characters know what the other person is saying they're being so vague. It's not even vague to hide something. It's just poorly written vague in terms of if I was the other person in that group I would have to be like wait are which one is they which one you know you're using so many pronouns and so much just vague language that four or five sentences in I would have lost the plot just as standard normal person standing there I don't know if I go that far but I, I can see what you're saying and uh, granted not every line but there was just a lot of lines where that that is not a sentence a human being has ever said because it does not have it does not have object subject or any of that stuff to give anyone enough information to continue along the conversation. But I I, I fully recognize at that point in the episode and at this point now I'm being I, I, the episode had put me on it off enough that I was I was not going to just accept it. So Dwight wakes Daryl up the next morning at uh, gunpoint and uh, Daryl insists he isn't who they think he is or more or less more along the lines he says. I'm not who you think I am. They say, yes, you are. And then he never brings it up again for some reason. Well, he's he has to play it cool at that point. I, I get that. He, he doesn't press the issue at all, though. It was very amusing to me. So Daryl's uh, captors march him through the woods, and uh, Dwight declares that they are not returning to the community they came from, and he says, you feel you got a kneel? Fair enough, we don't. You also said uh, you, make, you made a choice to kill for someone else for three squares... And a roof over your heads. They're dropping these little crumbs in, again, hinting at, at the community that they, that they came from, but we don't know more than that. And I will say one out for at least some of the dialogue that I would accept would be that this is, they seem to be acting somewhat culty, like people who have escaped from a cult, uh, not necessarily a religious one, but just a, a, a group that has a lot of catchphrases, a lot of... Uh, sentences and ideas that they drill into your head over and over again. You know, you got to kneel, that kind of thing. Or, you know, where I can almost accept it that they've just gotten this dialogue, this this style of speaking, these ideas so forced into their head for a long period of time, a year or so, that it has become normal for them to say it. But that's pretty much the only reason why I would accept those as as normal sentences. I mean, I think there's... Not all of them, again. To me, it's just context. I just, I I I can take it. It wasn't bothering me, honestly. So as they keep moving, Dwight lays out a plan to find Patty and then leave immediately. He describes how he and Sherry burn the entire forest with the walkers in it. And then he explains that they joined up with the community, thinking naively that they would rebuild society together. And Daryl argues that they should let him go, but Dwight refuses to listen. Yeah, <laughs> it's more of this. And now, were you guys clear, were they being surrounded by the walkers when they burned the forest? Or did they think, hey, if we burn this forest... 
we can take out a whole bunch of walkers just as a general good idea. The latter was more what I thought was being communicated. Yeah, they said the forest was filled with them, and they just they had the fuel, apparently, because they worked for, for the fuel companies. They said, let's just burn them down and get rid of this big chunk of walkers that's just invading the forest right there. And by the way, the mostly charred, burned away walkers in this episode look pretty awesome. Like, oh, a yeah. really great visual. From a production um, standpoint, I think everything about this forest and everything within it was pretty terrific. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So they arrive at a gated parking lot full of walkers and start to panic. Uh, Patty Dwight says she's gone. Tina faints, and Daryl uses that opportunity to grab their duffel bag, which has his crossbow and stuff in it, and he runs. Bear McCreary is just, again, on fire this season. He sprinkles in that little Daryl theme, that, that, that kind of country mm-hmm. theme, that, that's Daryl's theme, and he's, he sprinkles it in there just at the right time. Very, very cool scene when he runs away there and uh, takes his duffel bag. But then he fumbles with it for a minute, and I have a problem with that. But that's We'll, we'll get there in a second. Yeah, was... <laughs> so he runs into the woods, uh, and he tries to radio Sasha and Abraham without luck. And he grabs his crossbow from the duffel bag to shoot a nearby walker. This is a really, really cool-looking, like, swamp thing walker. It got exposed ribs and, and like, uh, covered in moss and stuff. And afterwards, he looks down at the fallen contents of the duffel and sees a cooler filled with insulin. And he figures out, or at least the audience figures out, Tina's a diabetic, and that's why she passed out before. So let, let's back up a second to Daryl grabs the crossbow out of his duffel bag because <laughs> this is the most epic oh. Daryl needs to grab something out of his bag moment. <laughs> I've ever had to see where like I can't just pick this up and you know maybe run a few yards away I'm gonna like just fumble around <laughs> keep my back facing the walker and really like just just really th- bring, bring out the drama of the situation oh my god it was so just overdone it uh, felt like <laughs> I, I kept thinking okay at this point he's just gonna whip out a knife and just stab this thing in the head yeah, like, like why are we why are they torturing Or us? hit it with the duffel like, bag. Do, do anything. This is Daryl. This isn't like Eugene first day on the job or something. This is Daryl. <laughs> yeah. like I mean, it felt like a good two minutes of him trying to fumble. It was really like 15 seconds, but it felt so long. It was just... Oh, oh. my God. There's a, there's another scene coming up that I'll comment on, and I'll, have a, I'll, I'll kind of tie the, these two things together. I think I know exactly what you're referring to. Meanwhile, back with the Duke boys, Sasha and Abraham deduced that their attackers had intended to ambush someone else, um, and Sasha insists that Daryl will try to regroup with them, and that the best way to find a tracker like Daryl is to let him find you. So they uh, they find a nearby town, Sasha writes Dixon on the door of an office building, and they take shelter inside. Uh, Abraham eagerly takes out his knife to slay a walker down the block, but Sasha warns him against leaving evidence for the attackers to trace their whereabouts. Like signs that say Dixon on them. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute, what? A dead walker is not evidence. A sign is. The I, I, I think, I, I the, get... to back up a bit, I, I think the, the idea of a dead walker, I mean, that there's other people after them besides Daryl. Right. Which I think having, having dead walkers around, that's more of a sign than random scrolled things that mean nothing to nobody except whoever knows the name Dixon. Exactly. I it had no problem it, with it's that. Not a, yeah. And it's not, a, it's not like a, 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 something like that's not fresh where a dead walker that's a fresh sign that someone's been there recently. Now, there, there's an interesting question. Can you tell, like, you can tell you find a dead body. Now, granted, maybe you and I can't tell as well, but someone could look at that and go, oh, that body's been dead for five hours. It's starting to feel cold or whatever. Yeah. But a dead a dead walker that's been, or a re-dead walker that's been dead for five hours versus a week, is there, is that easy to tell? I'd 
Well, it'll still decompose. Yeah. I mean, so but it's decomposing already. I'd imagine that right. there's a faster rate of decomposition going on when it's actually dead, dead again, again. <laughs> Maybe, although we see, but even we just see but, dead but, zombie bodies all the time, yeah, just lying. Yeah, around. but also the in, I, I but also there's environmental effects too. I think a freshly dead walker, regardless of the decomposition taking place, won't be affected by what's around it, whereas one that's been dead for a while clearly will be. Well, it's going to put your hackles up, right? I mean, if you come across a dead walker that has, you know, a hole in its head, it's like, okay, A, this thing is, you know, it's fully dead, but B, somebody killed it and they may still be around. So I think I think it's going to, you know, put you on alert. The only other thing I noticed with, with her writing Dixon on the wall, on the door, and, and I don't know what, what made me think of this, but the X was really, really large and... If you, you know, like when they do house to house searches and stuff like that for natural disasters, like we saw it with Katrina and things like that. Well, and and to not to interrupt you, but we actually saw that exact thing um, in a The Walking Dead video game, but also in Fear the Walking Dead. Those those X patterns that they put on the doors. Right. And yeah, I mean, they're, they're and my understanding is that, you know you put numbers basically in the quadrants, you know, you put the X and then, you know, a number up top means, you know, whatever, how many, you know, how many, you know, are found or how many, whatever, you know, those mean something. So I don't know if, if maybe because she put, made the X really big like that and wrote it, like she was hoping that people would see that. And it, you know, maybe it was, it was some sort of designation to move on. I don't know. That's the only thing that just kind of struck me is that X was like abnormally large. It was just to get, get someone's attention by having something, fairly stick out more like that yeah i, I mean she it, it was okay the way she did it and it wasn't it was kind of in a faded out black where it looked like looked like it could have been there for a while but all this exactly. talk of decomposing zombies where's milton mammoth when you need him i mean he would have the answer to this okay <laughs> where is he oh he's dead all right never mind but before we get to that um you know His last name was mammoth yeah man i don't remember that it's double m you call yourself a fan come on man <laughs> but one thing you know she uh, sasha was talking about having a tracker find you and it was a little debate between her and Abraham she deliberately took her boot and stuck it stuck it in the mud so even a non-tracker could see that but it, she put a big boot print right in that muddy puddle and says okay here he's going to track us this way now and but that was a little a little too deliberate for me but all right inside the building Sasha situates herself in an office as a walker pounds on the other side of a glass wall of an adjacent conference room and she asks Abraham if he wants to stand watch or sleep and he opts to stand watch when the because we talked about all the tracking stuff, uh, I meant skipped over the other thing. Um, the when the second um, Sasha says um, uh, the best way to find it uh, find have a track find a tracker is to you know have them find you or whatever. I, I that's when I realize exactly what this portion of the episode is going to be. It's just going to be Abe and Sasha dealing with their stuff and sitting around <laughs> for the entire episode. It was telegraphed. So I kind of it it was. I mean, and it's the kind of thing where I yes I can admire the show for wanting to give us some character work i mean if we're gonna have a show where people basically are stuck in a situation that means they have to talk about for that if it's done well so like i i did have my to a point i had my arms crossed thinking okay well we're gonna we're gonna deal more with sasha <clears throat> excuse me we're gonna have to deal more with sasha who i'm not the biggest fan of uh character wise not acting wise she's fine otherwise and abraham who i generally like but i think he works better when he's bouncing off certain people uh, so the show puts me in a position where I, a position where I'm thinking, let's if we're gonna do this, let's do it right. And so now, with the Sasha stuff, I as you're getting into it here, what she's saying, you know, uh, either stand watch or, or sleep, or Abraham says that I guess. Uh, 
I like the idea of this of like, okay, we're going to start this off and hopefully this leads to good character work. So now, with, that, with that in mind, let's see where this goes. So Abraham later tells Sasha that he's eager to kill the walker in the conference room and Sasha calls him out for being reckless and she says you have choices uh, and without walkers and bullets and hitting the fan, you're accountable for them and Abraham shrugs her off because that doesn't make any sense and insists on standing watch throughout the night. All right, let me just say this right here. I wrote, I wrote some notes down here. Abraham has got to be the most underutilized character of the show. He is such a great performer, Michael Cudlitz is, and he can kick some serious butt, but he never seems to get enough screen time. And you said, Aaron, you, you didn't have a problem with Sonequa Martin-Green's performance. I think this week she phoned it in big time. I mean, she really? just had – I didn't. she's just sitting against the wall talking very flat, just like – you know, you got to do this. Sometimes you got to do that. You're falling out of a plane this. It's like she just phoned it in this week. I did not feel it at all where Michael was bringing it big time. I just I don't think she was I, again, I acting wise I I I can disagree. I just I think she does fine. I think the material she's given's not the best by any means. And I don't I don't looking at her scenes, I don't know what a a more committed performer, so to speak, would have done to really bring out the the, the passion in those lines because it's Abraham gets the bigger arc of the two of them as far as discussing things this week. Yeah, for me, I, the, I had a problem with the acting in the other story, but with this story, it was just the dialogue, which mm. was like that that conversation they just had where why shouldn't he kill the walker on the other side and she's going to sleep with it there when they've been in so many situations where, oh, that door you thought was locked now is unlocked or whatever. It was just the strangest dialogue choices. In she just seemed because... too calm to me. She's just too chill. She's just sitting there with the walker behind the glass. And, you know, a few episodes ago, which is literally maybe two weeks ago in, in, in story time, she's laying in the pit of zombies, shooting at pictures of people. Well, to, be, and... that, to be fair, it was her, Maggie, and, and what's his father, father Gabriel. Gabriel. They, they all had their, like, let's all pray moment where things seem to be somewhat better with her these days. Mm. Yeah, I, I kind of took that as the end of that arc. Okay, um, so, but so then, she's, yeah, I, I, I think she's still, she's still she's still wallowing in a sense of whatever, but it's certainly less intense than, yeah, when she's, you know, hanging out in a grave and doing everything that brought me to a point of not really liking the character to begin with. <laughs> but so she's slowly building herself back up in my mind. But and Somehow Abraham is now in the boots she was in last season in terms of he's got this weird death wish, but I thought we had gotten over that. Like, there was a lot of stuff with his character in this episode where it's like, since when has this been a thing? I mean, yes, a season ago it was a thing, but then we worked past it, I thought. I mean, the, I mean, the season set it up to begin with, or this season did, with when he gets out of the car and starts, like, cranked, tanking out of the walkers and whatnot with that, with his kind of rage that he had. Of... But, but what I'm asking is, what was the inciting incident? What was the thing that put him back on that path? Because on Talking I, I, Dead, I, they tried to make the argument that maybe it was seeing Reg die in the no, season finale, but that doesn't make the no. slightest bit of sense to me. No, she she spelled it out. She said he needs action to the point where if he stops moving, he has to think about his life, and that's yeah. where he goes off the rails. So he needs to keep moving, keep killing, keep clearing, if you will, and that that keeps him kind of just sane. I guess and when he has to stop and think, he gets a little squirrely. I think I think it goes more to the point of what. Um... Craig, did you bring it up of um, of Abraham of him not being used as as much as many other characters? Yeah, which I said is the that nature of a, I think he's a which is the nature which I which I think is the nature of an ensemble show like this. Some people are going to get a short shrift, um, like Major Dodson. Yeah, exactly, like Major Dodson. 
uh, man, his action figure is going to be so sweet. But um, <laughs> with cookie action. But no, I think if if this if the show had more focus on Abraham all along, this might not seem somewhat out of the blue, I guess, for some people. But I mean, I, I think it's been there. I think we've the. I mean, remember even like the construction scene where he like went all yeah. Uh, mother dick on the on the walkers and like was killed. like <laughs> yeah. I, that that rage is certainly there when he need like i just don't think we've had enough time watching him in the the quote-unquote off season mm-hmm. of him getting used to alexandria as much as we've watched characters that you know the story seems to want to point us more towards aka rick and other people i mean yeah i think that episode for me is just is fresh because i i kind of binge watch to catch up and so i kind of saw the same thing is he when he gets restless or when he when he's not being utilized to his true potential, he starts to get really squirrely. I mean, the whole journey of, of them finding Rick's group was because he was so focused on on what Eugene was telling him, and, and he had a mission. And then, you know, he gets to Alexandria, and then it's like, well, now I don't really have a mission. You know, I'm just kind of a guy, and I've got a job, and I will guess I'll hang out and try it, do it. And you could tell he was, like, uh, totally on edge and really squirrely, and then when he saw a moment to act, he basically just kind of picked up and said and, and got stuff done. And so then we kind of see the same thing. He he volunteers himself to go on this mission with with Sasha and, and Daryl because, you know, he feels like, OK, OK, it's it's another chance for him to do something rather than but, just but sit around. I can follow so you then, all the way up to that point. Like everything up to that moment makes perfect sense to me. Until he volunteers for the one part of the big action mission that involves driving in a car at five miles an hour for ten hours. Instead of being on the ground attacking zombies like everybody else. Now, yes, he does get out of the car at one point and go slap happy on them. But he was the one who took him out himself out of the action there as opposed yeah. to everyone else, which is weird to me. I don't, I don't think he took himself out of the action. I think he's putting himself directly. He's literally putting himself directly in front of it, and for the duration of the mission, yeah. like it's the most. It might not seemingly from the outside, it might not present itself as the most intensive situations. But I mean, look at where he is now. I mean, it, he. Yeah. But he didn't know yeah. they were going to end up. I mean, I look at it as well. There, there's a lot of things they didn't know were going to happen. True, in this true. whole thing. I mean, they did. It, it yeah. didn't really go as he, planned necessarily. He's putting himself in the front of the biggest army of walkers that anyone has ever seen. So while yes, it's the slow roll of getting them out, I think in his mind, it's like, okay, this has a thousand ways it could go south and I'm going to be right on the front line of it. Um, And that's, that's just how I I took it. So, you know, again, when they get to this, when they get to this office, this insurance agency or whatever, you know, immediately sees a Walker and it's like, well, you know, we should kill it or, you know, outside and in. And, you know, because of where Sasha is at and kind of finding peace with herself, she's like, you know, do you just need to chill? Like it, it, you don't always have to be that guy. And I, I didn't, uh, Craig, I, Craig, I didn't have your response to her performance. I, th- I thought that was very mm. deliberate. Um, I, th- I thought, I thought the, the, the direction choice for her mm. was very deliberate. And I, I, I thought it was kind of a nice contrast. Um, you know, maybe the dialogue choices weren't the greatest, but, but her the walking dead making bad writing choices oh my god yeah yeah yeah, exactly but her role to play in this episode i i thought was very well balanced i i i thought it was very well done so and and again i think this is an example like i mentioned before of the 
the the concept better than the execution. Yeah, if I, we're uh, talking about Abraham's motivation to go on the trip with Sasha. I think I'm thinking a little differently on that one. I think he sees the death wish that she may have, or she had a few episodes ago, and he doesn't want her to to you know to go. So he has a little bit of that death wish in himself. He saw it in her, didn't want her to be alone. That's why he volunteered to be next to her. I think it's a combination of the two. I honestly do. I, I think there's it's it's a mix of hey, I get to do this thing that I like, which is you know mother dick and zombies <laughs> and um Dolphins and food. i get and i yes <laughs> <I'm> sorry but i think it's a, <laughs> i think it's a it's a combination of yeah i get to do this thing that i'm good at but i also get to see this person who seems to be going through something that seems very very um similar to what i'm going through right now and figure out if i can in some way, relate my experience and work things out that way. And, you know, that's the writers are one to, like, say, hey, these people haven't been in a show together before. Let's do that. So back in the woods, Daryl returns Tina's insulin, remember that, and forces Dwight to hand over the gun, as well as a wooden figurine that Dw- Dwight had carved. And they're interrupted by the arrival of men in a truck. Uh, and we see the everything below the head of Wade, their leader, uh, who orders Dwight to give to return what he took, Tina and Sherry. And Daryl helps them flee and gives them their gun back. And then he lures one of Wade's men into the path of a walker, which bites the man. And then Wade hacks off the man's arm and calls off the search, saying he only wanted to take this, this, take this so far. And then he tells his men he only wants ass that's willing. Wade is like ice cold, too. He goes, oh, yeah, on the radio, Cam's got a boo-boo. He's got a boo-boo. He's got to head back to camp. Well, even (laughs) Cam was like, I know what this means. Chop off my arm. Like, he was down for it. I'll get your watch later. Let's go. And just hack, hack, whack. That was it. <laughs> the scene of Daryl asking for, like, something to pay for the insulin made me laugh so much. It's such a... I know. It, it's this, like, nothing thing where it's like, well, I, I went out of my way for you, so I guess I deserve some kind of payment. <laughs> it's just, like, a, it's weirdly endearing that Daryl has this kind of, like, this code, I guess, he wants to go by. And uh. that's, like... That's he got that from the claimers. Reason. That was something he picked I, up from them. Yeah. I, exactly. <laughs> it was one of many, many points throughout this episode where I just went, what? Like, why? What is happening now? Like, even the scene... Now, granted, I did look away from the screen at one point, but when the truck with Wade and the guys shows up, mm-hmm. and apparently they drove up to, like, I guess 50 feet away and then stopped, but they didn't see our heroes, but I thought they had seen our heroes, but then... Our heroes were able to get away without them seeing. It was very confusing. Well, they had a dialogue. I mean, you know, they, they saw them. They, they, they started talking out, yeah. through the woods. Daryl kind of hid. Yet the 50 guys there with guns weren't able to shoot any of them or even try? Or like, encircle them. Yeah, that was yeah. strange. I know. Well, they seemed to want him back. They didn't seem to want to. I, well, yes, they wanted I, the girls back. They didn't want uh, Dwight back. I mean, is that what you got out of it? They wanted him. the women only? They didn't care about Dwight? I didn't get that impression at all. Well, yeah. they wanted they wanted back what what Dwight had stolen, which was the girls. I thought it was the insulin. Return what you have stolen from. I thought Why it was would the they insulin. want the insulin back? She's the one who's diabetic. There could be more than well, that, that, that's diabetics, true. I guess. That's yeah, true. I, was, I was really thinking the package. Nobody... I wasn't thinking the ladies, but that's an interesting way of looking at it. Okay. I thought it was more of a, a principle of you left our group and that's not allowed. We we're, we're taking you back type thing, regardless of what they want out of said people that are, have left. I think it's just more of like a don't leave our our thing here. All right, I'm disappointed in all three of you right now. 
Did we overlook your reference? Was it... <laughs> you overlook my oh, time bandit reference. Here's, Dang it, here's an interesting question. Now, I don't, uh, to be honest, know a ton about insulin in terms of the proper care and keeping of it. I understand what it does and what it's for, etc. What is What are the chances that insulin, which apparently needs to be kept refrigerated, or at well, least under a certain... Well, you don't thing. want to break needles in the vials that it's contained in, regardless of it's refrigerated. But, but what are the chances that it has remained properly refrigerated for the last year and a half? Um, Again, I don't think it was refrigerated necessarily. I think it was just in a cooler, like a medical container. So, you, so it was in the cooler that it, said keep it be no, refrigerated. It does, does it? Okay, but I'm just because I'm like, no, it does. It does. So Fair enough. Okay. Okay. No, I'm using a, a lot of my logic comes Depending. from Con Air involving McKelty Williamson's character who was diabetic <laughs> and Nicolas no. Cage, of course, needed to get insulin for. I mean that you know that's that's where I come from on this set of things. Well, Alexandria has power. No, my, I, so maybe this community that yeah. Wade comes from has some sort of generator, some sort of solar power. I mean, it could be a that's a way to organize town. It's certainly, yeah. And some of it is good, like, depending on the insulin. That looked like old school, like, vile insulin, not kind of the fancy stuff. I, I have diabetics in my family, so, you know, they, they kind of have those fancy pens now where you just kind of dial them up and inject them, not, you know, the old well, needle. Well, Ru- Russ, this, know, is the, this is the olden but, days of 2010, so, I mean, who yeah, knows? No. When, like, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this goes back further than that. But even, even if you keep it refrigerated... You, some of them, you could go a couple days, you know, granted, you don't want them to get hot, but they don't have to be kept at, um, you know, refrigerated temperatures. Uh, they're, they're still good for a couple days. But yeah, any more than that, if they're not kept to temperature, they're they're going to get, they're going to, um, they're not going to be any good. Now, I don't recall if they're harmful if they're below, but I, I think they start to, to acid you, if there's something. 45 degrees. Yeah, 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 exactly. But chemically, yeah, it's it's bad news if 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 it gets warm. Uh, so the next morning, Abraham finds an abandoned military vehicle comp- uh, containing RPGs and a box of cigars, and he spots a walker impaled on a bridge fence and eyes the RPG launcher strapped to his back. So he climbs onto the fence to get the launcher, dangling precariously over the edge and grappling face-to-face with the walker. The walker snaps at him, and Abraham backs off, yells in frustration, yells at the walker, it's weird, and then returns to the Humvee to smoke a cigar. This takes about forty-five minutes, if I recall correctly. Did you see that blue screen shot of? Uh, uh, I it was so weird. I think it would be impossible to miss. What, what was that all about? I mean, they, they must have forgot to, to shoot that. I suppose it reminded what, me which, of which what blue screen shot? It's it's it's. There's a blue screen shot where they they have CGI'd like a cloudy sky behind his head, but it's very oh, yes. badly keyed. It okay. reminded me of a shot that we actually forgot to talk about last week. But there's that that, that whole sequence of Rick and Ron um, above the walkers. And all the, like, from below shots are great, because they clearly had extras there, but then there's the one overhead shot looking down at them, and it is possibly the worst keyed CGI they've had on this show since, or maybe even including the CDC blowing up. All the money must go to practical effects. They must not have a big budget for CGI. That's got to be what it is. I mean, well, I think it's just because the when the show tries to go sweeping in that sort of sense, it stands out, and it just doesn't the show's the show's shot too it's too gritty honestly like the show's shot too too like it's shot too much in a way where seeing kind of obvious special effects look like obvious special effects yeah i i don't know exactly what you're saying yes it's it's hard to fake the dirt and smudge it and and get it to fit yes that that said 
the reason why I'm defend I was talking so much about Abraham earlier, you know, to talking about his motivations or whatnot, is because I really like his this his work in this episode. I think he I think he's given a lot to do here, and I really oh, yeah. like all of these scenes. And I think this the scene of him at and the way it's kind of edit like uh, kind of edited and jarringly smashed together to make this kind of weirdly intense scene of him screaming at a walker. Um, I really like that a lot. Like I I. I I can only go so far with some of the dialogue people give to kind of explain their feelings. But if I get a scene like this where Michael Cudlitz, who's a very good actor, is just allowed to just scream in the face of a walker that's like inches away from his face while it's like clawing at him and stuff. It's like, I can watch that all day. <laughs> I was really into oh, yeah. that. Yep. And then just the the way it wraps itself I, up, which we'll get to. Yeah, I, I didn't quite get it. I didn't get the interaction between the two. The two I, being I Abraham maybe... and Sasha or Abraham and the walker? I'm sorry, the Abraham and the walker. And I... I don't know why I think if maybe that Walker was not a soldier, I think maybe it would have it would have made a little more sense. But it was almost like I would have thought that Abraham would maybe have had a little more compassion for, you know, like a fallen I, comrade. Kind of I thing. see. I see what you're I, saying there. But I think what I think this actually helps that he's a soldier because the soldier is a is soldier, someone that has a mission and Abraham's a guy that's driven by having a mission. And so he's seeing this like dead Walker. That was a soldier that had this drive once. And now it's just a Walker, which is just its own thing right there mixed with, he's trying to do this difficult task, which honestly, if it, if it could be made any better, just you kind of spell it out more that it's not easy for him to reach this rocket launcher because of this Walker there. I think if you had a few more, I guess, establishing shots of the scenario he's presented with. It could have been a little bit more effective. But watching him kind of, like, struggle to get this thing he needs in the midst of this creature that's in his way and what the episode is, as usual, very symbolically heavy, trying to shout at you that Abraham is not letting things go. He's not let, He's not making it easy for himself. He's trying to tackle everything head-on right away. It, that's all that's coming out of him in that scene right there. They show a little side of the yeah. patch, like on the on the soldier's arm. They do show that for, I guess, a fraction of a second. Maybe he sees a bit of himself in that walker that's hanging on the end of the, you know, the soldier. Maybe that could have been him. Maybe he's frustrated. Maybe Sasha's conversation is still fresh in his mind, and he just kind of has a moment there because he seems to come back in the next scene with Sasha a little bit more clear-headed. And with a smile on his face. So something cathartic happened with that scream and that little bout with the walker on the edge there. Well, it's that. And then when he gets the RPG, have we got to that? When he gets the RPG, we haven't got to I mean, yet, that, yeah, okay, well, we'll get there. But that's, yeah. I think that's, that's where, yeah. I, I actually laughed, you know, when he finds the case and opens it up. And then I forget what he, I forget what he, he said. said. Hello, so, fellas. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Something <laughs> like that. Howdy, yeah. fellas. And I, yeah. And I, 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 just something made me laugh because like the, the thought of Abraham um, carrying around a rocket launcher and with a cigar in his mouth just makes me happy. And, and uh, <laughs> driving home in the fuel truck, not to skip ahead, but yeah, okay. Yeah. You, you can see what's um, happening now. Okay, got it. Yeah, so I just I thought that was really cool. Uh, my my mind just course, kept flashing to that scene from Jurassic Park, the book, with the RPGs and the velociraptors. I guess I'm the only one who read Jurassic Park. But anyway, sure. it's I'm a trying really to recall the, the Crichton prose involving rocket launchers. I'm not quite thinking of it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I got to agree to an extent with you, Russ, in terms of while, while, yes, Aaron, I understand what you're saying, you know, seeing himself as the walker and the whole uh, the, you know, the military connection, that's fine. But when you're already trying to deal with like four other elements of his psyche, you're, you're, you're risking mixing metaphors when you've got him trying on military outfits 
and having the military guy with the rocket launcher and like at, at a certain point pick a story to tell with them and having seven stories with him at the same time might be a bit much. Well, I think you're overplaying the amount of storylines going on in Abraham's own mind. At the same time, having someone screaming at something is a pretty good way to wedge everything all together. I mean, it's <laughs> like that's... I, I don't, I don't disagree. But so as Abraham sits and smokes a cigar, he watches the watches the impaled Walker's rotting shoulder slide completely through the fence post. The Walker falls to the ground, leaving behind the launcher dangling by its strap. So he picks up the RPG, brings it back to the office, and admits to Sasha that she was right about his rec- recklessness. He commends her for calling him on his bullshit and declares he would like to get to know her better. And she says to him, what makes you think I want that? And he says a man can tell. She smiles, but tells him that he still has some stuff to take care of. All right, I'm sure I we do. all have something to say about this scene. My comments, though, are this. In this world, and I, I'm going to pose this as a question to all of you because I really don't know the answer to this. In this world, do you think there's time for playing hard to get or courtship or these little deception games we play with people we, we're interested in romantically? I mean, I think when you think you could be dead at any minute, you just go right, basically you jump on each other and do what you got to do. That That's what I think this world would be, not this little, well, you have some stuff to take care of before we proceed down that avenue, as Sasha said. She was just letting him know he needed to re-dolphin smooth himself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can, I, well, for what, I've seen the show do this, so, I mean, I'm, I'm happier seeing a different step being taken where two, you know, responsible adults are talking about something and they're going to do something that seems responsible, such as I need to talk to this other person that I have a relationship with before I proceed down a line with you. I, I admire that for a change in pace as opposed to, Hey, you're attractive. I'm attractive. We have adrenaline in our veins. Let's go have sex right now. Like I, I've seen that plenty of times, but would that be more real? Wouldn't that feel more normal? Nah, I mean, to me, it's cliche. It's cliche. And in this, okay. I mean, in this world, I mean, how far do you go with that? Honestly, I mean, it's like all right, like, and it would have again. That would have furthered a concept that I'll bring up a little a little later. How many how many people it, does Andrea have to screw before you get over this idea? It's, no, it's, no, yeah, it's, it seemed like fifteen dead, on this. Yes, they are. <laughs> yeah, but it just it just seemed way too cliche. I I just took it as she's like at first a little bit in denial, or maybe not even denial, but just maybe even like I would have never even thought of that, and then. Maybe because the show has given us no indication that either one has feelings for each other at any point right. before this. Yeah, this was this was right. news. And I, I think it's just it's just one of those things where Abraham just kind of like comes to this realization. It's like I think he, you know, just that his whole ordeal with that soldier on the on the a couple things. His whole ordeal with the sold the soldier on the overpass or whatever that was, and then uh, Sasha kind of giving him a, a dose of reality. I think he kind of came back and was like. You know, hey, there, there's something to her. Like I didn't realize it before because either that you know the two of them just really hadn't had a chance to uh, to connect at that level, and he's been occupied with Rosita. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I kind of got that. And then, for, like I said, from her perspective, I think she's just trying to be a good person and just like you know, hey, you're involved with this other person. I'm not going to go down that road with you because I'm not going to. We got enough drama in our lives going on right now. We don't need the added drama of, of, hey, you know, the six people that we all have to live closely together with. Now I have to fight with her because I just stole her man. You know, that kind of, you know, that kind of thing. I just, I, I, I think it was, I think that part was actually played well. I agree. 
So Daryl's group comes across a burnt and melted greenhouse, and Tina recognizes two zombies inside, encased in the melted outer... Uh, this says glass. I think of most greenhouses as being plastic, but whatever. Uh, inside yeah, the melted... Green, whatever. I know greenhouses is glass. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, which one of us lives in the garden state? That's all I'm saying. But no. <laughs> I do. <laughs> show, show us those pictures of you gardening. <laughs> um, you make a house of glass in, in Texas, and... You're just asking to combust. so Or for th- someone to throw stones at you. Um, but so they, they find the Walker's mitten package inside the melted glass or whatever. Uh, and there's you have a, a sudden re- revelation of like seven things in a row. So apparently we already knew they birthed a forest down. Well, apparently they knew these people. And they used to babysit for these people or something like that. And then they thought these people had left and weren't in the forest. But apparently they were in the forest. So they inadvertently killed them. So Tina picks up flowers to put next to them at their side. And then she, like, trips or something and cuts herself on the glass. And then the walkers wake up, break out of the glass, and kill her. All in the space of about 30 seconds. Um, so I guess we're supposed to feel bad for her? I don't know. She, 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 le- she leans down to, like, look at them or whatever. Some and flowers like, down or something. Yeah, yeah. puts it yeah, and then and and then one of it, one of them opens their eyes and attacks her and breaks right. through the glass, and then that's but how they get her. Are we supposed to feel like karmically bad for her? I, I feel bad I when mean, someone randomly gets killed for no reason. Like, yeah, I mean, she seemed like a nice enough girl. I, I, mean, I mean, just didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, this scene killed me. Like from a, this is just one of those logical things where it's like, really, she's gonna back up and trip and like, I was like. I was waiting for either Jamie Lee Curtis to show up somewhere (laughs) or a sign saying, you know, Camp Crystal Lake ahead because it was just like, this is like so, you know, 80s horror movie cliche (laughs) nonsense. I was like, oh, this is so bad. And the show does this every so often where, you know, people can wade through and I get it. It's like the walkers can be as competent or as incompetent as they need them to be, you know you could wade through a hundred of them and stab them all in the head and then walk around a corner and not pay attention and get bit in the neck. But this one, I was just like, Oh, this is so bad. This is just so horror movie, cliche trope, terribleness. I mean, the way the eyes opened, like, even that was oh. a very, like a Jason moment or even Michael Myers, yeah. the, the eyes just, yeah. just shoot open right in there. Right. Yeah. That said, I did like that shot. And the, the idea of the walkers in case in glass is a cool idea. It was just, weirdly handled here it was supposed to be melted and glass like so sure. the fire yeah, was yeah. so hot that it, it actually melted, melted it melted the, the glass over the dead bodies I, I guess i thought for a minute they were just wrapped in plastic i thought, I thought so they, too like and i thought well, somebody came across them and just suffocated them. no that's right. like that, i thought that's, no, that it's the it's the greenhouse or whatever burnt down well, around them and, yeah i yeah. mean that's Although I would question, were they asleep in the greenhouse when it burnt down? Why were they, like, lying next to each other so parallel? Maybe they were that hiding from the odd. fire. They were just trapped inside, inside the greenhouse, greenhouse and finally consumed it, and that was it. Jordan, it was, when dealing was with so fire, the smoke, the smoke will kill you long before the actual fire. So True. more than likely, they, they succumb to uh, smoke inhalation and or fumes. And laid down on their backs? Well, well, well passed out and fell down. If you pass out and fall down, you fall forward. Maybe depends on how they're standing. <laughs> then they could, then their eyes couldn't open in a cool way for the camera. Okay, so you yeah, gotta, yeah, you no, think, I, I, I'm totally with all of you on this. It was just, <laughs> yeah, it was I, weird. I just wasn't clear. Part of it was, I, I will admit, I watched this during my lunch break today. So you know, maybe while I was, you know going to refill my glass of water or something i missed something but it just like it wasn't clear to me that this was melted glass they were encased in i got it it the second time around too the first time i missed it but the second time the way it shattered 
uh, when they started to reanimate the the walkers, that it really was shards of glass, and and there was an overhead shot where you could see it kind of just melted around them, which I don't know how realistic that could be. Maybe the fire got that hot that it melted glass around the body, but that's the way it was because plastic wouldn't shatter like that. It wouldn't have shards coming right. up if as they reanimated. And, and I guess honestly, I I was kind of waiting for it. Like I was like, oh, she's gonna. I know she's gonna trip and fall, and they're gonna do this. And sure enough, that's what happened. And I was like, just kind of eye rolly, shaking my head. I don't know. That just really bugged me. Like I hate when they do the, the stupid thing, you know. And just I don't know that that it just really bugged. Where was her tripping and falling? Be as obvious if she wasn't the weakest one of the group, right? I mean, didn't she trip and fall backward? That's what happened. Well, she did. She was she leaned and she was leaning and looking right at it, and it came up, broke through the glass, and got her. Like she got was, yeah. she was starting. It's not like she walked away and like slipped on her ankle on a banana peel or something. Like she's no, like, I know, but it's, it's, <laughs> that might have made the scene better, honestly. But I, I, that that would make she was the diabetic. Like she was the weakest one of the group. Like you knew she was going to go this episode. Is that what you felt, Russ? Or what do you what do you think? No, like, no, I didn't think that at all. I've, I actually thought the opposite. I was like, why? Well, why would they go through all that nonsense with the with the insulin okay. just to go ahead and kill no, her? The all. show's too nihilistic um, to not let that happen. So I, I was pretty yeah. pretty for her dying. And then <laughs> and then too, I was like, why? I wouldn't dare like Daryl's like overly cautious and if he went out of his way to save this woman's life by giving the insulin back why wouldn't he make sure like to go stab each one of these things in the head or make sure that I it looked like the one on the left had a hole in and maybe it was just the eye socket but it had a hole in its head I feel like I, I don't know I, I, when you're presented with we're talking so much about this one thing <laughs> um, I, when I you're presented with I mean I feel like it, it's something new as far as like dead people go is like people burned to death or you know d- succumbing to the to nature of fire with glass burned around them that's not something you see all the time i don't think you necessarily know how to handle every single situation you encounter random people at yeah i wouldn't necessarily think you know i see two bodies that are encased in glass that if i get near them i need to to be on my best of guards Yeah, I don't know. I just it just really took. And Daryl, I mean, Daryl's not exactly all the way together right now in this episode either. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I I don't know. And maybe again, like I said, I didn't see it as them encased in glass. And maybe if I kind of framed it that way to to begin with, it would have changed my opinion. But just I don't know. Just it, like I said, that it just really kind of caught me off. And most like. I'm doing some defending of this, but I, I do agree with a lot of the points you guys are making. Like, this isn't my favorite episode or any, by any means. I mean, there's some good stuff here, but especially this Daryl stuff, I do think is problematic for various reasons. I just feel like I want to give it the benefit of the doubt to a point, I guess, because <laughs> maybe if it wasn't Fair if enough. it wasn't Daryl, who, by the way, is like at his most Wolverine in this episode. Like, he's, he's, he's very <laughs> much like, like kind of out of it, like Wolverine, as if he like lost his memory again and just wandered through the woods. <laughs> His, his uh, dirty biceps were on point this episode. That is sure. Yeah. So Daryl and Dwight dig a... <laughs> this is a sentence I have to read. Daryl and Dwight dig a grave. That's hard to say. For Tina. And Daryl asks him how many walkers he's killed, how many people, and why. Uh, Dwight says he's killed a couple dozen walkers, no people, and he hasn't killed anybody because you can't come back from that. And... Uh, Daryl is satisfied with this and invites them to come live in Alexandria. Yay, I guess. So Daryl brings Dwight and Sherry to his motorcycle, uh, and that's when Dwight pulls out his gun, trains it on Daryl, and forces him to hand over the crossbow, and Dwight and Sherry get on the bike and ride off. Now, Sherry gives the nod to Dwight to start the holdup. It's very obvious, too. If you, She's like, okay, now, and does the little genie nod with her head. To, to tell Dwight, okay, well, let's do this. Like he, I don't think Dwight was so sure he was going to do it, but she kind of nodded him into doing it, it seemed like. 
Well, it was also, they were listening to Daryl's stupid answers when they asked him, so how many people are with you on this mission? And, oh, you don't know where they are? And, oh, thank you for all that information. And then I, I took it more as... They looked at each other and both went, yeah, we're satisfied with those answers that he's an idiot. And then they stole his stuff because he gave very dumb answers. Um, He was also believing in the kindness of strangers. Since when? This is (laughs) Daryl. Because all that that time he spent with Aaron and all that time he's worked on trying to be a a better person who can bring people to his community and build a build a build a new community. Like he's he's softened over the years. I mean, that's that's not new. Like we've, we've seen this. He's they still a badass a, in terms of. God. No, I'm sorry. They even played in the in the um <clears throat> the intro the last time on The Walking Dead that scene where Rick says, and this is even from last season. You don't need to be bring people in anymore. You, or that was even the beginning beginning of this season. They played that line specifically, so it's. And and I don't doubt that he has become. I don't want to say soft because that makes it sound like a negative thing, which is not. But I don't doubt that he has become more agreeable to the idea that. Generally speaking, non-specifically speaking, we need to be trusting of people. We need to trust that there are still good people out there, and we need to go and find them. That's fine. But this is another step past that in terms of, and so now I'm going to give obviously threatening people really stupid answers and trust them when it's clear that I shouldn't be. And that, that for me, is a step beyond what we've seen him do already. Yes, it's still in the same progression. I'll give you that, but... This seemed like too much for him. I would agree. Yes. The episode takes some shortcuts. I can, I can, <laughs> as far as that goes. I, I you can, mean like five minutes later when he just trips over the patty sign and finds the truck, <laughs> like that one? <laughs> I think this is reinforcing the whole overarching theme this season that Rick is always right. Like Rick's way, don't trust anyone, and if you don't believe me, you're going to see why. So Morgan had his little episode where he let the guy live, and that's going to be a problem. The other guys that questioned him, the Alexandrians, they ended up dying. Now we've got uh, Daryl, who's got a very different, well, not very different, but a somewhat different opinion on things than Rick now. And now we're we're proving Rick's point again, that you can't really trust anybody right now. I think that is an apt observation. Has Rick had a don't trust anybody point? He's had more of a... He's, he's more than stop being stupid everybody mode yeah I, I don't I, he hasn't really encountered anybody else outside of Alexandria since mm. for a while really I mean since crazy Clara last season yeah besides like <laughs> besides seasons ago besides like the wolves which are automatic you know they're just kind of automatically enemies I mean for or the termites reasons, who but, were obviously cannibals but like since getting to Alexandria he, it hasn't really been a question of Rick trusting other people it's been him just trying to put whip the people that he knows into shape. Yeah, he's been, he's been the one they shouldn't be trusting for a long time. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, I have I have called him Darth Rick. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah. At last, he will reveal himself to the Alexandrians. Just remember when he first met Aaron. I mean, cold clocked him. Everyone's that was like, such Rick, a great take it shot. easy. This guy, he's pretty cool. He may have a place for us to go. He didn't trust him for a minute. Obviously, what happened in Terminus shaped his brain. That encounter with the claimers, where they almost got Carl in a bad situation and, and almost yeah. got him all killed. He, Rick is totally just he doesn't trust anybody anymore he even says it to Morgan in the first episode we don't take I don't take chances with people anymore or something to fair, yeah point. fair enough yeah so it's like he's just at that point and they just keep proving it and driving that point home but in in the the context of just this episode with Daryl and these people that we met given all the stuff that they went through regardless of the 
narrative competency seen and seeing this such things take place. At that point, I I believe that Daryl would want to trust these people that he could bring them back and make them part of this community, given that they've clearly escaped from this place that is not kind in the same way that Alexandria, quote unquote, is kind. So I, I can buy I mean, him giving out certain pieces of information. Yes, it's somewhat of a stretch, but him wanting to do this thing in order to get them to come with him, given what they've gone through, they just lost a person that they clearly care about. Daryl came back to return the insulin, which they saw, and they, they can understandably trust him to some degree. I, I can see why he would do certain things. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, I guess. Uh, let's see here. So, Is there uh, more of this episode? God, this episode. <laughs> Just a little bit. Yeah, I know. For, for an episode where almost nothing happens, this is taking forever to get through. Um so, like we mentioned earlier, Daryl finds, well, first he trips over a sign or a door or something that just says Patty's Fuel Company. This is the same exact logo that we saw earlier in the episode when they went to the fuel depot. Um, and uh, from that, he looks 30 feet in the other direction and sees kind of under the branches the truck. So he opens, he, he takes the branches off, and it's a truck with the license plate Patty. This is the Patty they were talking about earlier, I guess, for some reason. And it's a fuel truck, and he kills the walker in the cab and drives to pick up Abraham and Sasha, and the three of them drive down the road in the fuel truck. Daryl tries to radio Rick, and uh, from over the radio, they hear someone say, help. Some of us think it's Glenn, some of us don't. Uh... Norman Reedus says it's not Glenn, but not we'll Glenn. find out sure enough, I'm sure. Norman Reedus Glenn. lies a lot about show. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the episode. So so who's that then? I don't know, but it, I, I listened to it a few times. I rewound it. I played it. I put the volume on my surround sound way up. That was not Stephen Yoon. I mean, if it is, then they really altered his voice to a point where I couldn't recognize it, but that wasn't him. Well, last we saw him, he was in a bit of a sticky pickle. I mean, maybe he, his, his voice might be a little affected by that. I did not know Nicholas's uh, nickname was Sticky Pickle, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you got a question at a certain point, like, who's left who has radios? Uh, who would be yelling for help? And the only one I can think of is Glenn. Um, it doesn't didn't seem like any of the the group that was chasing them this episode had radios. Um, Could have been Ron uh, Dwight, for some reason? Maybe. Porch Dick I I mean, the, the question is, like, at, at this point, at the end of this episode, are Daryl, Sasha, and Abraham, timeline-wise, caught up to everyone else? I think so. I think they'd have to be coming back. <laughs> but but have they passed, have they gone past them, timeline-wise? So in other words, has something monumental happened in Alexandria wherein they need help, um, or is this, is or are they just caught up and this is something somewhere else? I think they given probably the... finished right where the end of the Alexandria attack happened. I think it's probably just a little bit past there uh, because that attack happened in, what, a 45-minute real-time span? And yeah. They're driving, I mean, it's 20 miles. They're probably a little bit past where Alexandria is finished being attacked. Uh, I, kind of in but that they spent a night, they because, spent because, a night because, in that town, didn't they? Did they yeah, because, well, yeah, cause, like, because yeah. Rick's having creepy makeout sessions with Jesse and all that. Like, <laughs> well, that and, was a previous and, episode. I'm saying, did they... Yeah, but I mean, at that point, Rick's still wondering why he doesn't know why Daryl and all of them are not back Oh, yet. I see what you're saying. You see what so I'm it's saying? at least yeah. a couple a day after the the attack. Okay. And I mean, Daryl was knocked out unconscious and everything, too. I mean, so he was he was out for he was out. Oh, that's for true. That night. was a night there. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's been a little while. So I, I feel like I'm basing this more around just what characters we have left to deal with. And given that the this, this season so far has split us off into distinct groups, there's no one else left to deal with except for Glenn, for one thing, if you know if he's still out there. And that's it. Like, there's no other 
lingering storyline unless we're I, I i would doubt the show's gonna have a have us you know trail off into some random new thing for no reason we have to converge all these new groups again or all the all the all of our groups back together so aaron since you're back how many episodes they're gonna stretch this glenn thing out because you you swore you said oh no it's only gonna be one or two i can't see them going three or four how long are they gonna stretch this out for you think uh, I, it's either next week or the is it finales or the mid season finales the week after. It'll be like one three of those weeks from now, I think. Right? No, it's no. There's two left. Is there two left from yeah, here? There's two just left. two left. Yeah, that's there's it. A six. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, to so, eight would so be. So, so by, by the mid season finale, it, it, it's it's wrapped up in some form or another. Yeah, this tends to happen that I don't really think about uh, where you start out this where I, I don't really think about what the arc of the season is going to be until like a couple episodes in and I realized, oh yeah, this million Walker March thing, that's basically going to be the whole <laughs> focus of this first half of the season. And then like the Glenn thing, the Glenn thing happens like, oh yeah, they're not, why would they not try to stretch this out? Like remember, uh, remember Sophia. So <laughs> it's, yeah. and, and it's that was like that. weeks and this, this has been Rick Grimes, terrible, no good, very bad all around day. That's, that's lasted but, for, the, but, for the whole but, first half of the season so far. But so the Sophia thing lasted till the first half of the season. Like that was it. That's where the finale was for the mid right. season. True. True. Yeah. I, I just think it's going to go a bit longer. That, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm kind of joking about this. I think they're going to stretch it even longer. They may throw a, a crumb at us. Uh, on the mid-season finale, a little something to keep us going. But the way they played this whole thing with his death, the non-death, he's, his name is off the credits. It's, it, they're going to stretch this thing as long as they possibly can. I'd be surprised if I think it, I'd be surprised if it wasn't resolved next week. I would too, honestly. I mean, it. <laughs> you guys said that like three I, weeks I ago, so certain... that's why I'm like, all right, you know. Well, well, no, I I I knew they were going to stretch it out, but I I have a feeling. It'll be resolved by the mid-season. Finale. I hope so. I don't think they're going to stretch it past that. It's just like, I don't. I don't see the show doing much by much else with the having someone say the word help. Like it just seems. Uh, <laughs> I, I've said before, The Walking Dead's not that clever in terms of how it wants to do <laughs> things, and it's proven to not be that clever often. Like so, I, I don't. I don't know what else they'd be wanting to really do with that, knowing that everyone in America that watches the show. Which is a lot of people are you know waiting on pins and needles to see what happens to Glenn. Besides, you know, aside from them constantly trolling us, which is what they're clearly doing with the leaving the name off the credits kind of thing, assuming that we all believe that Glenn's supposed to be alive somewhere, which I I really I don't, I don't see as not being a possibility at this point. But it just, here's it, one other idea: mm-hmm. one other character who's out in the wild and we haven't seen in a few episodes would be Enid. That wasn't right. Edith's voice. <laughs> no, I'm not saying it was necessarily her voice, but she could. It could be. Yeah. It could be them inter- re-intersecting with her story. She could have met up with somebody else. All right, and it was Carl's voice. Yes. I-, I thought it was Rick. I mean, it sounded like Rick to me, but I, I really Rick? didn't give it that much thought to be honest. Really, I don't on think the, that was on Rick. The walkie. Rick, uh, Rick would, you would know if it's Rick. I, th- I, would, I don't think there'd be any speculation about if it was Rick. He'd be like, "Come here right. now." You'd be able to hear the beard through the walkie. Yeah. Help me. <laughs> I'll to, I guess I'll have to I'll have to go back and, and rewatch that last. If you put bit. the volume up, it, it really sounds like somebody just different. It's not Stephen Yoon. It's not. It's not Lincoln. It's well. It sounds like it else. sounds like it sounds like someone that needs help. <laughs> so, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, they are just standard walkie talkies. It could be crosstalk from mm-hmm. another group. Yeah, it could although be, I, it, I would be surprised that we hadn't heard any crosstalk when they've been using their walkies all half season so far. It would, be, it would be a little odd if this is the first crosstalk and there's another group using water. Well, they're also they're tw- they're 20 miles things, out, though. I mean, they could, you know, first, nah. Those things don't have a lot of no. range. 
I didn't think about that, but it can be Rick because they're way too far away. Those are those aren't well. Like, how far are they went? They're they're in a moving vehicle at that point. So how long oh, have they been in that moving vehicle for? Eh. They're not going to have the those handhelds are not going to have that. Kind of well, that's that's what I'm saying. It depends how far they've driven in that truck when they're using the walkie. If he, they've already driven 15 miles, maybe you got to driven one. You got you, no. you got to tell no you got to tell Daryl that because he is you know on the walkie-talkie asking for Rick. I mean, he's, he seems to be convinced they can work that far. Yeah. I mean those those little walkie talkies like that. Mm, no, I mean even a five watt radio. No, Russ. Back in two thousand ten, they had really good walkie talkies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these aren't. Uh, yeah, these I aren't mean, your father's walkie talkies. Yeah. Again, where's Milton? He had a bunch of walkie talkies in his little workshop. I'm sure his can go twenty miles, right? Yeah. Remember on this podcast, we used to talk about all the the the, the walkie talkies that Milton was using. Man, that was a great episode. That's- <laughs> Yeah. Hey, we didn't talk about Fear the what, Fear the Walking Dead Flight 462 this week. Uh, oh yeah, that right? guy who was clearly going to die. He died. Yeah, he fell out of the bathroom. He fell out. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. And, and the patient right, just keeps coming up. Yeah. And okay. The keep going out. Okay, that was our episode of Fear the Walking Dead Flight 462 podcast. Let's get back to the main show here. <laughs> so, gentlemen, uh, how many busters would you give this episode of The Walking Dead? Of course, one being the worst, five being the best. Uh, I'll go slightly higher than last week and say a 3.5. Again, I really like the Abraham stuff. I, I was really into that plot line. I agree that it's slow. Uh, this whole episode is kind of slow. I do agree that the Daryl stuff, there's a lot of problems presented in terms of how clunkily we can handle this new story that we've kind of been wedged into. Um, but I do like, I think that whole burnt out forest setting was pretty cool. Like I think the visually as usual, the episode kind of delivered in that front. And I, I was more put off by last week's episode in terms of random Alexandrians acting than I was with this episode with people that I generally enjoy seeing on screen acting. So it's a, it's an averageish episode, but I, a little bit you know more for me. So three point five. I'll I'll give it a three point two five because it is slightly better than last week's episode. As as I was alluding to in the beginning of the show here, uh, the acting I think some of the <laughs> was a little bit off on on, on Sonequa's part. Although you guys disagree, I think she she phoned it in a bit. Uh, I did like the scenes with Abraham. Anytime we see Daryl in the woods with his bike with the crossbow group of people. That's fine. I can take that any any day of the week. Uh, over, as Aaron said, random Alexandrians. I agree that that, that it's definitely good television. Uh, it had some problems, but overall, it was a decent episode. I wasn't cringing, and I said this last time too. Even the new actors were being introduced to uh, Dwight and what was her name, Tina, and the other one, Sherry. Sherry. I didn't have a problem with them, and that's very good for me. I, usually, these new characters sometimes are a problem. Uh, in the last few seasons anyway. All of them have been solid casting choices, so I'm enjoying seeing the new people being added to the show. Obviously, obviously we're going to see them again at least one more time. I mean, Daryl has to get his crossbow back, right? So I'll give it a 3.25 busters. I'll give it the same, 3, 3.25 for me. I, I thought it was a step below last week's episode for me personally, but I think there was some cool stuff and I like that there's some setup here that I'm assuming is going to be the focus of the second half of this season as opposed to really getting much more with this in the next two episodes. Uh, it was no secret, obviously, that I did not like this episode. I thought the visuals were really cool. A lot of the burned out walkers and burned out forests looked great. Uh, some of the shots used were very impressive. I, I liked uh, Norman Reedus's performance. I liked Abraham and Sasha's performances as far as they could go, but I thought the dialogue in this episode was 
all over the place, whether it was vague or just sentences no human being has ever said or would ever say in any situation. <laughs> and I, I personally did not think much of the guest acting in this episode whatsoever. The episode lost me very early on and never managed to uh, to earn its way back. So for me, this one's a two. Uh, Jordan, I mean, Wade's bottom half was pretty awesome. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that was a sweet belt buckle. I'll it, give him that. It, it, like walked um, two steps at a time. I mean, it was really. Uh, oh. that, that, wh- here's a question for you before we get into the sponsor and what our listeners thought. <laughs> yeah. What possible reason? What possible reason could there be for not showing us Wade's face? He's part no, it's ghost. Just, it's just yeah. It's just suspense. <laughs> well, it's funny. The girl on the walking on the Talking Dead said that was Bizarro Rick. I'm like, what do you mean? Well, he had the same kind of boots, the same kind of jeans. He looks just... more like the governor to me than Rick in terms of his dressing attire. Yeah, dressing it, attire? That's it's really going out and him to wear jeans and boots in the forest. <laughs> but it was just like. He's, I mean, spoilers, folks, he's not a character from the comics. As far as I know, there's never been a character named Wade in the comics. We haven't met a character named Wade before in the show. So unless Wade is not his real name and they're going to have him show up later played by a different actor who could be a number of different people that they've announced will be on the show but haven't shown up yet... What possible reason could there be to not show his face? We've seen feet first, though, with the claimers. Remember under the bed, Rick saw the feet and heard the voices. He strangled one of them out, but besides that one guy he killed, we didn't see any of the claimers until a few episodes later. We just saw their feet and heard their voices. So this is not the Well, was that also because they just didn't want to pay Joe? Well, we heard his voice. I mean, he was... Yeah, that's true. I mean, he had had, had a speaking part. Yeah, I think it's just more playing it like forgive the example but like the peanuts where you just kind of like you're getting a certain perspective so far it doesn't matter to you're not supposed you're not supposed to be clued into who these other people are yet if that's what it's intending which it you know likely is so you're you're focused on these people you're focused on who you're following i could i could it's it's i think it's a stylistic choice that will maybe yeah. benefit the future more than really but remember. then like why show us cam's face and other people's faces and just not wait i don't really see i mean for what i think we're gonna see cam again if anything we'll see him like in the background or something but i just think it's not <laughs> he'll it, be waving it, with his it, one arm it's something that <laughs> it's something that it's something that matters to the scene where he's directly involved with what Daryl and the others are trying to do something with, where they see a person coming after them, regardless of who it is, and so you show that person and what scenario he gets in. I mean, anything. I don't really, I didn't really see Cam all that clearly. I saw some random portly fellow walk into a walker who I did see clearly, which I mean, was... It wasn't a close-up. You did see yeah. his face, but it was definitely far away. It was even behind some branches they shot it that way, so yeah. it's uh, definitely style there. It I'll, was all, agree with it was all POV. I mean, that's... <laughs> So before we get to what our listeners thought of this week's episode, let's take a minute to talk about our sponsor. Of course, our sponsor this week and every week on the Walking Dead TV podcast is Discount Comic Book Service and their sister site, In Stock Trades, which you can find at DCBService.com and InStockTrades.com, respectively. They are an awesome site, or pair of sites in this case, where you can get your comic books and your comic book-related merchandise, hats, hoodies, t-shirts, uh belt buckles that have your favorite characters on them and all kinds of stuff like that not to mention like the McFarlane Walking Dead play sets and action figures and the omnibuses for the Walking Dead if it's cool if it's nerdy and if you're gonna like it you should get it from dcbservice.com or instocktrades.com and save yourself a boatload of money we're talking 20% off 30% sometimes 50% off or more um, and you get it all there on your doorstep in a nice big box you don't even have to step outside your house you can get all of this at a discount 
without wearing pants, and quite frankly, folks, I can't think of anything better than that. So check out DCBService.com and InStockTrades.com and let them know that we sent you. Yes, get rid of Jordan's pants. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> oh, boy. Actually, no, I am wearing pants, but uh, you brought it up, so anyway. But enough about the sponsor and enough about what we thought of this week's episode, because who th- cares what we thought? Let's find out what our listeners over at the Walking Dead TV podcast Facebook group had to say about this episode. Of course, if you go over to Facebook and search for the Walking Dead TV podcast, you'll be able to find our group with a ton of members every week discussing the newest episodes of The Walking Dead and giving their Buster ratings. So in this case, uh, Aaron, why don't you start us off and let us know what Brett Jones thought of this week's episode. Sure. Brett Jones gave it 3.5. Daryl and his magical impervious to infection flesh wound covered in dirt and ashes out of 5. We should probably use that one every week. Um, <laughs> interesting to learn there's a new group out there, I'm guessing even as a non-comic reader, that we all knew who they're connected to. Yep. Pamela Burton gave it 3.5 out of 5 itchy asses. Did Abraham <laughs> and Rosita break up? Was he flirting with Sasha? I'm guessing a certain thing that happened in the comic is going to happen with Abraham and Sasha. I don't know how I feel about that. And Daryl lost his crossbow. I had a feeling those people were going to double-cross him, and I'm sure they will end up regretting it. Susan Monk gave it 3.7 Sasha slash Abraham swirls out of 5. Of course, Daryl came after them. He wouldn't leave Sasha and Abraham. Maybe they can use the weapons to destroy the herd around Alexandria, or at least lure them away with the rest. We still don't know about Glenn. Hezron Mack gave it 4.25 ginger-haired Mac Daddies out of 5. Great episode. Only gripe was some of the dialogue from Sasha and Abe. Only some, really? Uh, It sounded hammy at points. Cheryl Morris Goodman writes uh, 3.9 Sasha Rams, or Abra Sasha's, out of 5. I like the scenes with Daryl more than the Abe and Sasha scenes. I believe everything planted here will come back in later episodes, and that... And that was Rick on the radio. They looped back in with the timeline to when he was in the RV. Also, anyone else wonder what Abraham and Sasha's kids would look like? Oh, wow. Mike Jones gave it two motorcycle test drives out of five. Too many loose ends and poor explanations. Too many unexplained groups. Too many filler characters. So is Rosita back on the market? No chemistry between Abraham and Sasha. This show is way better than this. Mike Jones is positive as always. <laughs> yes. Uh, Tarek, I give this one 3.5 scream to a walker's face out of five. I just didn't feel the Sasha and Abe scenes until Abraham had his time collecting needed supplies. Daryl's story was more interesting, and this is definitely not the last we've seen of this group. And and was that our favorite pizza delivery boy asking for help at the end? Overall good, but not memorable. Max Sofer gives it four out of five grade A butt steaks. <laughs> Solid episode. I liked that they had us thinking Daryl was going to be in real trouble in all the promos, but it was actually nothing. Those silly kids. Alisa Gonzalez writes, three Dixon doors. Big X in the Dixon. I had difficulty following this new people storyline. Also, the greenhouse death was a pretty stupid way to go. <laughs> yes, it was. Everard Santa Marina, I'll go three silly tropes struggling to get the weapon to save yourself out of five. (laughs) That scene is just beneath the standard we expect from this show. I kind of like the new survivors, although the diabetic's death was also really silly given the standard of the show. They could have done it better. I thought the new survivors were somewhat rounded out considering we had 15 minutes with them. Uh, My other peeve was a dialogue between Abraham and Sasha. I needed real-world subtitles. (laughs) Sim, Sim Slade 
2.5 mock walkers out of five. Boring dialogue from Abraham that I'm not even sure what he was saying. <laughs> Badly written and worse than last week. Michael Rooker on Talking Dead. Is he on the same drugs Marilyn Manson was on? You mean life? I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tanya Royston is giving it four. Why can't at least one good deed go unpunished out of five? I'm not a comic reader and have no idea what they're setting up, so I'm enjoying the ride. The episode certainly answered the question I had to why Abe volunteered to accompany Sasha. The world is going to do nothing but get smaller, so Daryl obtained intel regarding this group, plus picked up some nice weapons and fuel truck. Had to take away half points for the ridiculous choice to return the gun to no-name guy, fumbling with getting the bow out of the bag and turning his name his back on those idiots. Other than that, I'm ready to see what's up next. Uh, Paul McEachern writes, three out of five, Abrashash's insight was okay, but Daryl's wandering and dumb decisions were tedious. The Walking Dead can do much better. Richard Chopper Cherry Cherrington, 3.5, how many times is Daryl going to have his crossbow stolen in one episode out of five? Who is the new group? And damn you, Tina, for ruining the nicely packaged walkers. Even I haven't opened my Walking Dead figures. <laughs> And was that Glenn at the end? <laughs> Rob Cook, three unlikely cocooned in glass walkers out of five. Overall, slightly disjointed episode. I think the guys with the guns and in the truck are from Nagin's group for sure. We will definitely be seeing the RPGs in the mid-season finale. How was Daryl's bike jacked? I thought he was pushing the bike because it was out of gas. Why didn't he just ride it out? The the episode uh, synopsis from the Walking Dead wiki made it sound like he was pushing it to be quiet. But I don't know that I necessarily buy that from what we saw in the episode, That's except cool. for the fact that they were able to ride it out later. So I guess that is a point in that favor. But is he asking anyway. like, why didn't he just start riding the bike and let the two people walk behind him? Is that what the, at the end? Is that what he was asking there? Well, no, he was asking if in the beginning it seemed like Daryl's bike was out of gas, like the gas tank had been shot or something, and that no, that's why yeah. he was pushing it. Yet the other like uh, Tina, uh, not Tina, uh, uh, Dwight and the girl were able to steal it and drive it away. So gotcha. Well, yeah, he said, why did, yeah, why, how was it jacked? He well, got jacked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, was, he didn't want to be he, heard at that well, point. Well, he was trying to walk with them. He wasn't just going to ride away from, yeah. That's right, like, that's what I thought. Yeah, he was, he was, he didn't want to get on the bike and start riding yeah. while they walked behind him. Uh, Belinda 8 gives it a solid 4 out of 5 mother dicks for sure. That, there was plenty of action, although it was a little disjointed, and it answered some of my questions, which detracted from my enjoyment of other episodes. This is why the trio hasn't returned to Alexandria in the timely manner Rick expected them to. Kevin Barry writes 3.75. I love it when a plan comes together. Hannibal Smith victory cigars <laughs> out of 5. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Episode was good, not great, but I like that it added more depth to the world by introducing additional survivors in other areas. Good A team. A team credits. Let's go. Yes. A team themes. Let's close it out. Right? <laughs> I just typed that up. <laughs> uh, and was that the last one? Yep, that was. That's a great, great way to wrap it up. I'd say. <laughs> And, of course, like we said earlier, you can head to Facebook.com and check out the Walking Dead TV podcast Facebook group to leave your thoughts for next week's episode. We have a huge group, 685 members. We're on the home stretch to 700, guys, so keep sharing the group uh, with your friends. Anyone that likes the Walking Dead, we are growing, and uh, it, it's because of you that it makes the show this much fun. We get to read your comments, and it's a really smart group we have, so keep it coming. 
So that's it for this week's episode of the Walking Dead TV podcast. Of course, you can head over to Facebook and check out the Facebook group to join us and our discussion there every week. Or you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jordan FRM Jersey. Russ is at R Latham, L-A-T-H-A-M. Uh, Aaron is at Aaron's PS4. And Craig is at Auto Chat Show. And I believe, Craig, speaking of shows and Craig, you're going to be at a show very soon that you want to talk about. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Uh, we actually be at the New Jersey Comic Expo. So if you are in the New York, New Jersey area, it is centrally located in Edison, New Jersey. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'll be there with my Knight Rider replica, replica car, Kit. Uh, so come on down if you want to say hello to me and Kit. Also, there'll be a ton of comic book artists, uh, animation people, cosplay, celebrities. It's going to be a pretty big show. I'll be there for both days, so come on down if you're in the area. Come say hello. I'd love to, love to chat with you. Very, very cool. And so, until there's no more room in hell and the dead walk the earth, remember, you feel you got a meal? Fair enough. We don't. Have a good week, everybody. And next week on The Walking Dead, of course, if you don't want to know anything about next week's episode of The Walking Dead, cut out now. We won't be offended. But if you don't mind, you've got five, four, three, two, ah! one. Okay, you've been warned. Here's spoiler. What was that? <laughs> was, are there drop bears in California now? Uh, season six, episode seven is entitled Heads Up. And according to AMC, uh, things in Alexandria are quiet briefly so apparently they will be playing heads up seven up is my best guess and uh yeah i think the scene we saw and it was a little bit different this week because it had into the badlands so they played things and promos in different places than they normally would they made us wait like 15 minutes to see the next next season's uh next week's episode preview but this one's back in alexandria like that made uh it make made it sound and uh, i believe the scene we saw was uh rick morgan and michonne sitting around a table talking about whether or not uh, Morgan's new philosophy will actually work in the real world, similar to conversations we've had on the show. So that's what we have for next week. Have a good one, everybody. Take care. Help! Just a. I need somebody. <laughs> Help! Just anybody. Glad remix. <laughs> uh, according to um, uh, frequent liar Norman Reedus, yeah, yeah okay, I, yeah. I'll believe what he has to say. Sure. Uh, we'll see. Um, <laughs> let's do the count: uh, one, two, two three, four, four five, six. six. righty. that should be plenty. okay. Now, at least on my end, all three of you were, like, perfectly in sync, so I'll have to remember that when I go to edit it. We're more Backstreet Boys, but yeah, fine. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking more boys to men, but whatever. We're 98 degrees. Boys to men. I I do enjoy. I always thought 98 degrees was the best of those three. I actually agree with you. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least I think 15 years ago I did. I I couldn't really remember for sure now, but. Boys uh, to men. I actually took my daughter and my two nieces to an NSYNC concert. I think I've told the story before. But you can tell it again I for the bloopers. Yeah, that's true. Yes, bloopers. <laughs> Ugh. It was a horrible experience. Oh. Because you had too much fun? Like R. Kelly could, horrible? And, and or you, like just, it was kind ouch. of <laughs> No, it just not my not my style. Fair enough. As I said, Backstreet Boys. This is episode 151, Palindrome. 
one after the sesquicentennial. To use a fun word. There you go. Right. Somebody right. else used that word last week, I think. I didn't see it. Yeah. Oh, that's right. when I when I first moved to Texas, 1986. Well, I moved in 85, but 86 was the uh, sesquicentennial from Texas's independence from Mexico. So it was like a whole big, uh, whole big thing. Can you really call that independence so much as stealing? <laughs> Lone Star. Don't mess with the Lone Star, man. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a good thing you live in Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> They're proud of that. Don't mess with it. I mean, I guess we kind of do the same thing on a grander scale, but... Yeah, many Bothans died to... <laughs> Isn't that guy going to be in... Uh... It's a trap. Isn't he going to be in the next one? Admiral Akbar. I would hope so. Akbar, thank you. And the same dude. The same guy and the same character. Yeah, he's going to be in yeah. the movie. Uh, okay. his, his old little... I don't even know. His fish head or... His fish head who, who, head will, I honestly face. have no idea who played uh, Admiral Akbar. Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> that would be... <laughs> <laughs> it's a trap! I probably knew in like 1984, but... I was... I was um I was talking to I was talking to my girlfriend earlier, and um, she was talking about there's there's no more like cool prizes and Cracker Jack boxes anymore. They're not even boxes anymore. They're like bags now. I was gonna say yeah, there's but, not even um, a box. But she and like in this conversation, she said the line, "You're breaking, you're breaking my heart." And I, oh no, no, she's but she said she said you're breaking my heart. You're going down a path I don't want to go anymore. <laughs> and, it was, and it was just like the the exact phrasing was just so perfect because she knew what she was doing, and that's like. Oh, okay. Okay, it yeah. caught me so off guard that she would like quote that line verbatim. It was just hilarious. <laughs> oh my god! Now, which one of you would you say had the high ground in that discussion? <laughs> no. Uh-huh. Uh, sorry, sorry to take your legs out from under you there, but um, oh. <sighs> other Star Wars give puns. Him, give him a hand. <laughs> give him two. <laughs> it is not easy to find who played Admiral Akbar. <laughs> <laughs> I found everything else about him, though. Oh, I could, I could tell you like, he's the Mon Calamari, and the other major species on this planet are the Quarren, but I couldn't tell you the, who the actor is. Oh, here the we go. Quarren. I was like, now get me off of Wikipedia. Get me off of Wikipedia. Tim Rose. No. There we go. And he's reprising his role as yeah, as the good admiral. Has he <laughs> been in, like, anything else? 59 years old. Um, wow, think, he was young. I don't young think he's an like, actor. I think no, he he's, was, like, yeah. an ILMer. If I recall, uh, oh, okay. yeah, he's a puppeteer. He's suit. He's, he okay. he he also portrayed Size Noodles and Salacious Crumb. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, okay, okay. He's puppeteer. Okay. Um, as well as um, he's involved. He's been involved in the Dark Crystal and Howard the Duck classics, uh, <laughs> both of them equally. And <laughs> pre CG puppet puppetry. Size yeah. Noodles is the special edition Return of the Jedi dancer no. one, or no? No, no. Si- that that's the pre. The pre uh, special edition, yeah, the one they replaced with the dance scene. Yeah, okay. She, the way they actually did it was they had a, a wire going from the end of her snout to the microphone. She's the keyboard player, the blue elephant. No, that's Max Rebo. Oh, yes. Rebo, yes. Man, younger me is very. So Size Noodles right is a part of Max Rebo's band. Max Rebo band. Yeah, she she's the Joey Fatone of the group, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> she spends a lot of time in space. <laughs> He gets work where he can get it. Fifty nine years of age, so yeah, he's I've ripe and ready. I've always been more of a Dan and well, the Modal Nodes guy, but uh, I mean, the guy who plays uh, Chewie, right? I mean, he's Peter May. He's definitely not a youngster. No, oh, he's he, eleven. He was he was born old though. That he's, yeah. he's <laughs> he seems like one of those guys that was born old. Well, I mean, yeah. he legitimately he's whatever form of uh, gigantism he has, like does do terrible things to the human body. 
um, especially right. as they age, which is yeah, he has a hard time getting around. Oh, yeah, he, and, and, and has had he one for in, a long time. He lives outside of Dallas, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe it's Waco, but he goes to a lot of Dallas cons. And, oh, wow. Okay. And so you see him a lot of times. He typically walks with like a cane, or he walks with an assisted Boyd. Device. He lives in Boyd, Texas. Yeah. Mayhew, right? No. Yeah. Yeah. Peter Mayhew. And then, uh, well, obviously Anthony Daniels not, not a youngster either. He's got to be in the sixties at least, right? I mean, uh, Anthony. Well, they all pretty. Yeah. I yeah. don't think so. We're closing he's 60, on forty years. Sixty-nine. Now. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. I mean, I saw him at the Star Wars celebration. He's he's quite spry. He's moving around, doing his thing. <laughs> I mean, he's got to be if he's getting. He in was shape doing for, a lot of close-up magic. He's getting in shape to go back into a metal suit for suit. six hours a day. So I'm sure he's you know he's got to do something to stay in shape. I wonder how much of the movie he's actually in, though. I mean, it may just be a cameo, I suppose, or I mean, he could be in the whole thing. I, mean, I really don't know. But Has he don't been give... in any of the trailers yet? I can't remember. Yeah, he's, he's popped yeah. up. He's, Has he? Yeah, yes. He's popped yeah, they've up. Shown he's, a he's popped up a couple times. Like, you miss him, but... Yeah. I mean... I, frame by frame. I, 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 you know, I'm not watching Star Wars trailers and be like, oh, man, there's C-3PO. Finally, he's back. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> uh, meanwhile, back with the Duke boys, Sarah, uh, Sasha and Abraham... <laughs> Sarah and Abraham. Wrong story. Hey, weird question... Mm-hmm. Does someone have an analog watch right next to their microphone? I'm here. You did so. Tick, it's tick, not tick, me. Tick, 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 tick. I have crickets. I've actually that heard are, that. That are that. Do you have a hundred crickets that are all very well timed? Because it doesn't sound like crickets. I I hear what you're hearing, and it is very rhythmic. But it's okay, crickets. Well, that's good for them. Get them in a band. That's uh. That is they're new, they're new. I got ten new crickets for my tarantula today, so they're <laughs> they're doing their thing. It doesn't sound so much like crickets to me, though. I don't know why. Um, anyway, regardless. Edit point. What if the reason they're not showing us his face is that even though they gave this character the name, this is actually our show, and he's got the face. Oh, like that? The character is the character. Yeah, it from the comics. Uh, Which I'd like a lot more since I didn't like the performance of this particular. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, that's... Star Wars? Okay. <laughs> that was surprising. <laughs> are you playing the commercials, Russ? We know you are. Come on. <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's, sorry, that was just something that I thought could po- a possible reason to hide his face. Um, thema- or, uh, narratively. Anyway, edit back in. Uh, let's do... Does everybody want to bring up the... Um, oh, yeah. The, the... the Buster's Thread so we can alternate between them? Yeah. Is Russ here? Sorry, I hate when random video just plays. <laughs> oh, no Star problem. Wars, no less. You don't intend to. Yeah, it was like... Russ, if you could head over to the Facebook page and open up the Busters thread, because when Jim isn't here, we, we've been um, alternating and going through, like, I'll read one, or we'll do, usually do it alphabetically. So Aaron, Craig, you, me, Aaron, can, can Craig. Can I read it in Jim's voice? You. <laughs> I would Richard, love to hear Richard that. Richard Chopper, Chopper Cherry, 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 Cherry. Cherry. <laughs> How are you doing this? <laughs> what I have a mixer board. board. Uh, I'll turn it off. He's doing the same thing Brad and Bill would do on uh, a half hour wasted. I don't listen to their silly show. <laughs> where they would interview uh, Thanos or Satan, and they would sound very similar. I will bathe the starways in your blood. Um, Welcome to prime time, bitch. Man, there was a cool quote at the end of this episode from from Abraham that I was gonna say would be a perfect until there's no more room in hell. Which one? I forgot what it was. I don't know. It was like something towards the end of the episode. Because that that was another I thing know. I didn't really bring it up, but I felt like 
they, they had so much fun with Mother Dick last year and whatever the other big uh, Dolphin Smooth that they tried to throw in like four of them this episode, and I thought one of them kind of worked, and the others just felt like something a crazy person would say. Yeah, the itchy ass one, then you had the prime double steak one, and there was a couple other Abraham. <laughs> the great A butt steak. Yeah, what, that, that that's what it was. That anything. it was that it was it was it was. She asked, "What? Well, yeah, it was like because what did he? It was something makes my that ass was the first one sends make my ass because yeah, yeah, and that was the one. The other two he said when he came back in with the RPGs, and he's he said two two of them. He had two quotes in a row, like back to back, sandwiched in. I should have wrote that was those down. I didn't. Whew, good thing we started early, huh, gentlemen? That was a f- long one. <laughs>